Hi, I'm Jess Fields. Welcome to the show. As you can tell, the audio quality is quite a bit lower than normal. That's because I scrambled to put together a quick phone interview with the noted storm chaser Jeff Petrowski, who has appeared on the program before. Jeff is currently driving into the path of Hurricane Laura, just east of Galveston, on what is called the Bolivar Peninsula. And Jeff is going to surely be moving around a bit as the storm intensifies and comes ashore. He tells us what everything looks like with regards to the models and the forecast path, as well as how you would survive the hurricane and what you must do to prepare. I apologize again for the audio quality, but I think you'll be able to understand this conversation, and it's an interesting one with storm chaser Jeff Petrowski. Joining me now is Jeff Petrowski, a noted storm chaser who we've had on before, one of our most popular guests, as he regaled us with his stories of chasing tornadoes and hurricanes, um, and including uh, Hurricane Harvey as it first hit near Corpus Christi, uh, back in 2017, and of course later went on to destroy the Houston area. And this is a little bit of a different podcast than normal because I'm only on the phone with Jeff. Currently, Jeff, um, I think you're driving on the Bolivar Peninsula, uh, going eastbound right in the path of Hurricane Laura. Give us a little bit of an update where you are and what's going on. Yeah, so um, last time I was over at Lake Charles, I came over in Houston, Galveston, because, you know, some of the computer models, the Euro models showing possibly still landfall there. So the Houston's still in playing under hurricane warning all along the coastal line here in southeast Texas as well as southwest uh, Louisiana. So as this thing approaches uh, later tomorrow and tomorrow night, uh, the wind and uh, things are going to pick up enormously. You know, probably winds from 100 gusts to 140 uh, especially over as you get closer to Port Arthur and that area. So this is the area that I'm, I'm calling my, going to focus for this event is in the Port Arthur area uh, to south of Lake Charles. And that general area is where it's going to be the right front quarter of the hurricane. That's where the most highest impact of storm surge is going to be, probably in excess of 15 feet. Um, but that storm surge warning, it goes all the way from uh, just west of Galveston all the way into central Louisiana. So it's a wide area. Of, of extreme storm surge, and the area that's extremely dangerous is going to be that area probably over to our east here, which is going to be basically in the uh, right near the you know, Port Arthur area to south of Lake Charles. They expect a storm surge in 15 to 20 feet over there, uh, and will inland to almost up to I-10 in places. So that's going to be the biggest story uh, with this hurricane. Both the wind's going to do a lot of damage as well, but the uh, storm surge is going to really uh, be the big story with, uh, with Hurricane Laura here. Well, Jeff, I really want to ask you about preparedness because I, I know that you stream on Periscope and you, you spent a little bit of time on one of your streams here today talking about this. Uh, we're taping this about noontime, and I'll release it pretty shortly after the call. But before that, I want to ask you, has this storm and Marco, this situation, does Marco affect Hurricane Laura at all? Does the tropical depression or wave or whatever Marco is now considered affect the path of Hurricane Laura. What's the interaction between those two? We heard a lot about Fujiwara effect and all these various things that were said uh, when you saw both storms in the Gulf. What's going on with that? Well, it's extremely complex. I mean, a lot of things are going on with these two uh, hurricanes and then and the tropical depression now, and then, and then it's dissipated. But Marco had some sheer on it, it was uh, the trough in the Gulf we stayed a little bit longer yesterday than it was forecasted to, but it's moving up quickly this morning. So that's subsiding. We went from 50 knots here yesterday down to around 10 to 15 currently, and that'll be totally gone tomorrow. Uh, so that subsided. 
uh, it's just we're seeing some things we haven't ever seen before. We got two back-to-back, you know, hurricane, tropical storms, and and obviously there's going to be a path of weakness. Nothing. Uh, Marco probably left some weakness uh, along the upper uh, Texas Gulf Coast and um, back over in southwest Louisiana, and that's obviously where Hurricane Laura is going to make track. Uh, at this point, it's too early to say. You know, it's it's crossing the cooler waters right now from the upper end of Marco, and and, it, and it's been doing that the last two hours. And so I think over the next, as we get into mid-afternoon, it'll start uh, re-intensifying and come up again. It's a wider eye right now, so it'll take a while. Anytime it's wide, it takes a little bit longer to constrict that eye, and that'll probably take it till later tonight. And then as we get into tomorrow, then I think we're going to see rapid intensification and uh, going from, you know, Cat 1 on up to Cat 2 and then on up to Cat 3 during the day tomorrow. And it may even reach Cat 4 as well. So uh, we're just going to watch it. As as you get closer to the coast, I guess the water is shallower and presumably warmer. Is that why the rapid intensification occurs as the hurricane approaches the coastline? That yeah, that helps. Uh, that helps, but a lot of it has to do with the upper the upper winds, and, and you've got a big high pressure and, and, and very strong high overhead. So as a ridge, high pressure ridge built in, it creates great ventilation for the storm. So it, it's really more influenced. I mean, the, the warmer waters clearly has a huge uh, impact on the uh, on the hurricane. And obviously, we've got extremely warm water. I mean, someone's boiling, you know, in the lower 90s all along the Gulf Coast. And uh, so that's definitely going to have a bigger impact on the intensity. So instead of weakening as it comes toward the uh, coast, uh, this hurricane's liable to keep intensifying right up to landfall. So it makes it extremely dangerous. Oh, wow. And so you said maybe Category 4. So to give an idea, and as we move into I want to talk a little bit about preparedness, but what kind of damage would one expect from a Category 3 or a Category 4 storm like this that uh, I think is fairly fast-moving? We're not talking about a stationary rainfall event like Harvey, right? So what, right. what do you expect out of something like this, Jeff? Well, I mean, if, if we do, if it does attain, you know, uh, you know Category 3, when it makes landfall, I mean, you're going to have winds, you know, 110, uh, gusting about 135, uh, maybe even gust of 140 if it stays at Cat 3. So as that happens, uh, uh, you're going to have roof failures on, you know, the, the weaker structures that, that maybe aren't up to hurricane specs today. Uh, you know, lots of trees coming down, power lines coming down, roof off buildings. Uh, obviously, you're going to have a roof block. You're going to have signs ripped off billboards. Uh, basically, it's, it's a big wind machine, and uh, especially if you start getting in the low Cat 4 range, then the damage gets uh, much more severe. Um, you get total infrastructure failure on buildings and houses. Um, even high-rise buildings um, could have glass breakout in the upper levels of, you know, because you get, you know, a couple hundred feet above the, above the surface, and uh, you're going to have winds that will go up another 10%. So you could have winds gusting at 150 if you had uh, highlight, you know, if you had a 30- or 40-story building. So you get up above the ground and you're in that right front quadrant eye, the winds could be very strong and do, you know, literally blow out the wind is, you know, 10, 20-story, 50-story buildings. So and we've seen that with Harvey. We've seen it with uh, other big hurricanes. So that's the – So, Jeff, you're uh, talking about – so just to, to, to explain for somebody that maybe doesn't understand, you're saying the right front quadrant. You're really talking about like the southeast quadrant of the building because that's where the wind is coming from. That's going to be the most intense? Well, the, the most intense is normally the northeast quadrant, but in the northeast, northeast quadrant. Qu- yeah, the northeast quadrant, north or northeast quadrant is where the really bad stuff is, the highest winds. And, and, and again, it depends how symmetrical it is. You could have really bad winds on the east side or southeast side, uh, but the northeast side is going to be the really bad, um, you know, the really bad stuff. And uh, they, that's, generally where the, that's generally where the really high uh, winds are located is immediately in that northeast quadrant, and that's the area where we 
generally get the, the most extreme damage. Okay, and so with this, you know, kind of rotating counterclockwise um, in the northern hemisphere, uh, right? So basically, if you're on the eastern side of the eye, um, that's that's really where the most intense uh, storm surge is going to be and everything because the wind is pushing that water on shore, right? That is correct. So that's why you're. That's why guys like you are always worried about exactly where it makes landfall. Because to a layperson who looks at the map and they say, "Well, there's this giant cloud with an eye in the middle moving towards it. Why won't it all be the same image?" But really, if you're on the eastern side, it's a dramatic, dramatic difference. Uh, yes, I mean I remember during uh, Hurricane uh, uh, Andrew and also Katrina, uh, Katrina when it made uh, landfall eastern uh, New Orleans. There, it uh, you know there was a tremendous uh, gradient in the wind. Uh, from uh, New Orleans, and then as you went east over toward Mobile Bay and, and past Christian and Waveland, uh, I remember driving through the North Eye Wall the, that morning when it was making landfall. And I can tell you, when I went from the Northwest Eye Wall to the North Eye Wall to the Northeast Eye Wall, when I got to that Northeast Eye Wall, I literally saw a whole roof of shopping centers coming off as I was coming into Mobile uh, oh, in that wow. Northeast Quadrant Eye. So it's, 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 it's like you just cannot believe. And, and same thing we witnessed with Hurricane Michael, the Cat 5, uh, in the Florida Panhandle, you went to the west side of Panama City, and you had very light damage, um, a lot of offshore flow. You know, had some roofs come off and, and some poles down and things like that. But when you got to the east side of Panama City, literally in just five miles, every mile you went east, the damage rapidly increased. And by the time you got to the east side, and then obviously up to the base and then Mexico Beach, the, the damage was catastrophic. And then, of course, when the eye came ashore, the Cat 5, uh, that you had about a 30-mile-wide uh, of just total devastation. I mean, trees mowed down, telephone poles gone, everything was gone for 30 miles wide, about 150 miles inland. It was like a big, just a big, you know, bulldozer. And um, it's uh, those. You know, I remember five. correctly, you started out in, I think you started in Pensacola for that one, and then that was the concern, right, that it would hit Pensacola and then it jogged east and hit Mexico. Beach, yeah, hit Mexico Beach. Yeah, we went in. We were we started off in Panama City and on the west Panama side of City, town. Yeah. And, yeah, and then we we moved to the east side of Panama City, and then we went to uh, uh, the southeast wow. side of Panama City, right by the Air Force Base. And then the uh, we was at Mexico. I was at Mexico Beach that morning, about uh, no, probably about nine-ish, and I saw the water to the top of the wall, and the wind was out of the uh, straight out of the east because I was back southwest of me about thirty miles. And uh, the hurricane, and I could watch it on radar, and my winds were gusting 100 at Mexico Beach with the due east wind. And I knew as soon as that wind started uh, coming around to 120, 130 out to the southeast, that wall of water was going to come surging over the wall. And, uh, and, and, and that Mexico Beach was going to be, you know, basically ground zero with a mega storm surge. And that's exactly what happened. And it destroyed most of the structures there. Well, I, uh, I can't give a big enough plug for your YouTube channel, um, Tornado Alley Video. And also for, uh, I know you work with uh, Barron uh, Critical Weather. It's a wonderful app that, uh, that I think you yourself use and I've started to use to help track weather systems, which is just fantastic, and, and we plug that. Uh, nobody's paying me to say that. I just I think it's really great. I know you use it, so I'm like, well, I want to use what Jeff uses. All right, Jeff, so if you're watching and, and watching these storms and you're listening to this, what can you do to get ready for this storm? Obviously, Houstonians are used to evacuating. We've got it now on all the freeways around the Houston area, and I think over towards Beaumont, they say hurricane route, et cetera. They evacuate. 
But let's just say that maybe that's not an option or you're stuck or, you know, whatever the situation. I mean, what's kind of the degrees of preparedness? What do you need to do today? Well, today, well, there's, there's, there's hundreds, there's a big checklist, but today, like we talked about, you know, back earlier this summer when we were talking about the hurricane impacts this year, and one of the most valuable things I think uh, we talked about was people like today uh, is take pictures and video of inside and outside of your home today. Uh, and it's not just about storm surge, even if you don't think you're going to have hurricane force winds. If you have a, a tree falls on your house or if you have a tornado hits your house, take pictures of video of inside and outside of your house for insurance purposes, because I can't tell you how many times in hurricanes, people say, oh, I can't prove that I had this, this is my location, or your house burns down. A lot of times you get fires during hurricanes because you get shorts and, you know, water and things like that, and the houses are burned down, and people are trying to prove things after the fact, and if you have the recent pictures of video of your property inside and out, before, you know, so they would be your expert day to do that, uh, that you have documentation of what the house looked like inside and out and inventory. Uh, you know, if you bought new furniture, if you got a car, if you bought a new motorcycle, those things, even though you may have insurance on them, take inventory inside and outside of your home and actually what it looks like because when it comes to adjustment time, that's going to pay you big dividends to have that proof of what your house looked like and the things you had in it uh, before the disaster. Jeff, do you need a time stamp on a video like that? Do you need to, like, take a, a, a video? Well, I think if you could, like, yeah, you take pictures, yeah, right, time stamp. Uh, most videos today on people's phones, whether it be a Droid or, or an Apple phone, uh, when you take a picture or video, the time when you took that, and, and it's also geolocated, if you have that on, uh-huh, it'll be sure. on the video. Yeah. It's time stamped embedded. It, the metadata is embedded in that picture and that video. That's how most phones work today. Uh, the metadata is there. So uh, you'll uh, you'll have proof that uh, it was taken on this date, this time of the day, and those kind of things. So that's uh, right. I would highly encourage that. All right. So take video of the inside of your house. Yes. Trust. What else do we need to do? Uh, from batteries, get cash. Batteries, batteries. Fill up your bathtub. Uh, I would do that probably later tonight or in the morning. Fill your bathtub full of water in case you're going to be without power for a couple weeks if you're in the hardest hit areas because of the water pumps go down because of you know not. You know, not having enough battery backup at the at the pumping stations or water towers get low on pressure, then you're going to use that water and use one gallon buckets to flush the stools. Let's pour the water uh, from the tub into the uh, uh, stool and, uh, and just pour it right in the. You know, after you get to go in the bathroom, just pour it in there about a gallon of water, and it'll literally just cause the stool to flush on its own. It'll, it'll just flush out. Um, and so that's for hygiene. That's it's highly recommend. Um, and then cash. You got to get cash today. Go get cash, you know, um, that because when electric is out, uh, you won't be able to get money. You won't be able to charge things. You won't be able to buy groceries and things. So get cash, get ice, get, you know, your hurricane supplies, food, uh, water, uh, those kind of things that uh, you can survive seven days with no help. And that's the kind of things you're going to be thinking about because I'm, after this hurricane passes, it's going to be hot, miserable, no air conditioning, no power, and it's going to be in the 90s uh, after this thing passes. So it's going to be extremely wow. hot. Very high heat index is, you know, over 100, and it's going to be miserable for weeks after this thing passes. So those are the things you've got to be thinking about. And then also, let's don't forget mask, hygiene, gloves, uh, because of the COVID uh, pandemic yeah. ongoing, and as well as uh, denatured alcohol for disinfecting things. If you have to go somewhere you normally don't go to, a shelter or a hotel, um, I have a, a, a very strict regimen I do when I go check in a hotel, like, I hit all the counters and bathroom and doorknobs uh, before I touch anything in the hotel. I hit everything, no matter what they tell you, how clean it is. Uh, won't go into details, but I can tell you um, I, I, I take no chances at all on that. I mean, I clean everything with the natural alcohol because it kills the virus on contact. 
if it's over 70%, and I've been using that all spring storm chasing, and uh, knock on wood, I've not uh, came down with COVID, but I've been extremely careful and used them very prudent on uh, how what I touch and what I don't touch. You go to a gas station, wear plastic gloves, don't touch the handles, uh, you know, uh, on its own because you've got hundreds of people a day touching those same handles. So it's all the common sense things that you keep yourself safe, and especially if you have, you know, thousands or hundreds of thousands of people evacuating, so you're going to uh, amplify how many people are, are using the facilities. And I can tell you, even during COVID, a lot of stops, a lot of bathrooms, a lot of restaurant bathrooms for literally the last six months don't have bathroom facilities available. I actually carry with me. It's going to seem funny, but if I'm being honest, and that is that I've actually got my own portable porta potty with me. And that is I went down to Academy. I bought a five-gallon bucket. It actually has a seat lid that goes on top of the five-gallon bucket. And I have a disposable, um, uh, you know, liners for it. And right. uh, you do your business, you wrap it up, and it's disposable. You put it in a can or you can put it in a basket. And, um, and it's biodegradable. And that's how, you know, dispose things because there's a lot of places you go to in a facility, whether it be a restaurant or a gas station, and they'll have a deal in the store on the side that says bathroom's not available because of COVID. So don't be surprised if you go stop somewhere wanting to go to the bathroom and it's not available. So you've got to make those oh, kind wow. of plans before you leave the house. And it's rampant all over the United States. So that's another thing people aren't thinking about, but it's going to be a problem that if is you're a on the road. fantastic idea, Jeff. I have something kind of like that that I take when we go camping, and even if it's like a state park public campground, you know, you don't want to go to the restroom where everybody's been sometimes. You know, people are like, oh, gross, you bring the toilet or something. But it it is probably a cleaner way. And in this case, you're absolutely right. I took a little road trip uh, not too long ago. Um, You know, you can't really fly now. You know, people aren't flying much. So I I took a little road trip and, and visited some places. And, I mean, I would guess that out of every i don't think we stopped that often but let's just say we stopped at 10 places maybe two of them the bathroom was open right i mean it was like almost nowhere the bathroom was open so i mean i right. had to beg in a couple of places um for my for my children's sake it's like please let us use the bathroom so, yeah, so you uh, so you personally have already experienced that and it's it's still oh, because yeah. you because you don't know a lot of times i mean I'm, I'm no different than anybody else we're all human and that is a lot of times you're like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to drink no coffee today or not much water because I know I'm going to be traveling. And, and there's times when you've got kids with you or, or elderly uh, family members, and all of a sudden when, it, when it's time to go, Mother Nature calls, it generally doesn't give you an hour's notice. I mean, it generally says, okay, I've got to go to the bathroom. I need to go in the next five minutes. You know what I'm saying? Oh, and it's, yeah. uh, it's like, and then you yeah. get in the store and then you find out the bathroom's closed. Uh, you, you've, got to, you've got to make precautions. You've got to take care of things because oh, yeah. it's, uh, it's tough. Everybody with little kids listening to this know exactly what we're talking about because it's not like, oh, you know, in 30 minutes I'll need to go to the bathroom, Mom and Dad. Like, you know, let's, let's right. think about pulling over. It's like, oops, i got to go now. And it's like, you yep. know, why didn't you tell us? Well, we forgot or whatever. Okay, so, Jeff, I mean, these are all wonderful tips. Now, you are currently in the Bolivar Peninsula area, which was totally wiped out by Hurricane Ike. I think you're heading towards which is – about 35 feet above sea level. It's a very unique dome feature that does not flood, um, even during the worst storms, uh, and it, it always stays high and dry. Uh, but that's a pretty unique thing, and you're an expert. You're a storm chaser with many decades of experience. Let's say that somebody doesn't want to heed the warning of people here. You know, we can be pretty stubborn in this area of Texas and Louisiana, 
And they just say, you know, we've been through it all. We're going to ride it out. What do you say to those people? Well, if, 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 if you got a, if you got a evacuation, if you got a, if you got a, um, if you got a, um, you know, hurricane warning and a evacuation order, and you're in, and all on the coastline here in southeast Texas and, and southwest Louisiana is in a uh, storm surge warning, and you don't leave, the problem's going to be is when that storm surge comes up, uh, and every hurricane's different. Just because you survived a Cat 3 before or it didn't affect you before if it went east of you, is if that water comes up 10, 15, or 20 feet uh, and the roads are impassable and you call 911 because I've been on the receiving end of those calls at, at a local uh, station before during Hurricane Ivan and we're telling people, hey, these 30 and 40 foot storm surges coming and uh, they chose not to leave their beach houses. And uh, I was at the uh, local station there in um, Mobile and receiving calls of, of people in the attics drowning uh, because they didn't oh leave God. earlier in the day. And, and when these things come roaring in and those roads are impassable and you've got you know, 15, 20-foot storm surge and you're on top of your roof with 125-mile-hour winds blowing, that's it. You don't have a second chance. Um, and, and, and the police and fire will not come and get you. Most, most of, most, all of them have policies. Once it's over 50 miles an hour, some, are, some uh, policies are 40, that they, the, the police and fire will not, will not come and get you. Even if you're a mile from the fire station and, you're in tra- and you get trapped, they're not going to send a fire truck out to get you until after the hurricane. So that, I've, I've witnessed that. And, that's, and, that and, and that is so key because it's not that they don't care, Jeff, but the first responders, if they go out into dangerous situations and they start losing vehicles, they start having right. personnel. They can't they're help stuck, the masses. They can't help right. anybody else. So, right. I mean, you know, it's kind of like that thing on the airplane. They say, put your mask on before you help someone else. Put your, your oxygen mask on, you know, if it, if it depressurizes. You know, people need to be responsible. And uh, I think this is really, really key. Uh, Jeff, I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to talk with us. Man, this is uh, really dangerous. You're right in the eye, uh, the, the path here, right next to where this eye is going to hit at this point, uh, where you're located. Is there anything else you want to say to folks as, as this hurricane approaches or anything else you want to encourage people uh, to do uh, uh, as we go forward here? Well, I, I just think, uh, heed the warnings. Um, it's a large, dangerous hurricane, and I think as it's uh, – uh, tomorrow, um, all model indication is it's going to continue to intensify throughout the day. And, and, and we may be looking at, if it uh, depends how well it organizes today and tonight, we could be possibly looking at a Cat 4 coming toward the uh, Texas-Louisiana wow. border. And if that happens, then uh, all bets are off on how bad it's going to be, uh, both in storm surge wow. and damage. Yeah. And it looks like, you know, I, I didn't mention this earlier, but it looks like there's three tropical waves right now forming in the Caribbean and over the Atlantic Ocean. So this may be the beginning of a, of a surge of storm activity, right? Right, right. That's correct. Yes, that is correct. I read the National Hurricane Center discussion. And I, you know, people, if they want to know about this, they really need to probably read that discussion from the NHC because it's where the the forecasters are kind of giving you their their everything, right? All their observations, and I mean, right? This, uh, the the tropical activity is only going to continue. This is a very busy season, as you told us uh, months ago when we interviewed you. I mean, this is one of the busiest seasons around. It looks like that's correct. Yep, it's it's uh, lived up to all the uh, uh, forecast, and we talked about the warm waters in the Gulf and how it was going to be hyperactive, and it is. And it's uh, we haven't uh, we're at the peak or near the peak. But uh, we're still going to have a couple more big hurricanes uh, impact the U.S. in the next two to three weeks. So it's not over yet. Wow. 
And if someone wants to now, Jeff, you provide these on-demand video updates from the scene of what's going on. It is in. Incredible, and I played some of that footage on our previous interview. I put it on YouTube. If anybody wants to watch it, the podcast is great. If you want to watch the video version, it's astonishing. Um, but uh, and it's on Tornado Alley Video on YouTube. Jeff, what is your Periscope? That is where you do all the live updates. Periscope, which is an app that's really good. You can get an update when Jeff posts something, and it comes on a little uh, notification. It goes on my phone, and then I know, oh, well, Jeff is, is, is somewhere because you're the only guy I follow. But what's your thing on Periscope if somebody wants to watch you do the other Yeah, just Jeff underscore Petrosky. Just Jeff underscore Petrosky is my uh, handle on Periscope. And uh, you can also follow it through Twitter as well. P-I-O-T-R-O-W-S-K-I. Yeah, that's it. Is Petrosky. Jeff Petrosky, uh, veteran storm chaser, right in the path of uh, – Hurricane Laura rapidly intensifying. Hopefully, uh, folks will stay safe, and, and we are going to hope and pray that you stay safe, Jeff. Thank you for all that you do and uh, for talking to us today. Thanks, Jesse. And that was Jeff Petrowski, noted storm chaser who has been on our program before, describing Hurricane Laura and what's going to happen in the next few days, as well as how to stay safe during a storm. If you like our podcast, please subscribe on YouTube or in your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening.